Hour number four, Dale and Holly, Sports Radio WEEI. Jack Edwards is brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment and 495 Chrysler Jeep, Jeep Dodge Ram. Hello, Jack. How are you, Dale? I'm ready to drop the puck for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit. I'm ready to go. I, I said it in, earlier in the program, I was telling Jackie and Michael this. It's too bad, it, it's not their fault. But I'm watching the opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. And yeah. I'm trying to keep track of the Red Sox game as well. And I keep going back and forth. And I'm watching the worst baseball game ever played by oh. man on one channel. Yeah. And I'm watching, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, Montreal. And I'm watching Pittsburgh and, and Columbus. And it's like, oh, what a difference between these two sports right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's There's nothing like playoff hockey where you get – guys who come out of nowhere and have heroic series and then disappear into the mist forever. And you also have stars who, who really are emerging. And, you know, how about the effort of, uh, of Steven Stamkos last night and a little tough guy act in there as well as already Montreal's gotten under Tampa Bay skin. And isn't that delightful? Cause it's only going to get really nasty from here on out. And, uh, you know, Anaheim blows out to a 3-0 lead in the first period against Dallas, and Dallas makes it close at the end. So there's plenty to talk about. It's all good. Great thing about hockey playoffs is the seeding truly doesn't matter. Right. It it's, really doesn't. And that's what makes it different, I think, than all the other professional sports. Yeah, it's binary. You're either in or you're not in. And the 82-game schedule is all about proving your worthiness of competing for the Stanley Cup. But, you know, one of the things that is compelling about this Bruins team is they totally get that. They understand that it all starts at zero, that they're up against a Detroit team that has players on it that know the way, right. that know how to get there. And even though Detroit is an underdog and should be an underdog in this series, that it's a dangerous team. And one would hope that the Bruins, who have learned from a lot of past mistakes, uh, will learn if they are fortunate enough to get ahead in this series, not to take their foot off the snake as they did with Toronto last year. The Bruins were in control of that series, and they let Toronto get pesky and youthful and uh, opportunistic, and all of a sudden they're playing for their lives in Game 7, and they were lucky to get out of it. But uh, but I, I, I hope that they have... Uh, they have taken that into account. And they're going to come out with full energy every single time. See, I've been in search of information. I've been on a quest, Jack. You can appreciate <laughs> a quest, right? A quest for people who will say, you're overthinking this, Michael. Oh, that's the first time I've been accused of overthinking. But <laughs> you're overthinking this. You should not believe that the Detroit Red Wings are right there on the level with the Bruins. Okay, I was looking for people, looking for comments on the series, and you guys know about a guy named Craig Morgan. You ever heard of Craig Morgan from FoxSports.com? I don't know him. He's no, the only person. I'm not familiar with his work, Not Michael. familiar with his work? <laughs> uh, Craig Morgan on FoxSports.com writes, The Red Wings, behind coach Mike Babcock's, Babcock's brilliance, will probably surprise Boston, just as they did last season with Anaheim and Chicago. But this is the one first-round matchup the Wings can't win. Now, is that going too far? They can't um, win this series. It's kind of going in both directions there. Um, he's, Mike, say, he's probably saying, hey, they can keep it. They can make it interesting, but they well, can't beat it. Well, what do, what do great coaches do? Great coaches understand their personnel so well that they put them in positions to succeed for the maximum number of times that they can in a game and in a series. And Mike Babcock's going to do that. But if you look at the Bruins and, you know, Hockey does not necessarily lend itself to statistics, but if you look at an 82-game season and you look at 
a whole bunch of players whose plus minus is so bloated in the plus side, you start to see a pattern there. Like, you know, say, I think it's seven Bruins in the top 15 in the National Hockey League in plus minus, and that includes all of their top six forwards and Johnny Boychuk. And Char is also in the top 25. And what that tells you is that the Bruins bring a weight to bear on their opponents that, you know, (laughs) I'm not exactly ripped, but, you know, we've all spent time in the weight room at some point in our lives, and when Speak you're, for yourself, and when man. you're, and, <laughs> yeah, so I know you're still ripped, yeah. But but when you get to a certain number of reps, you begin to experience failure, and that's what the Bruins do. They keep bringing that same amount of weight, and at some point, unless unless Jimmy Howard just becomes Tim Thomas and channels 2011. Um, you would think that Detroit is not going to be able to lift the weight at a certain point. So so we. You bring up Jimmy Howard, and he struggled a bit, but my friend and hockey guru, Dale Arnold, told me off mic that he thinks it's, it's got as much to do with the young Detroit defense as yes. it does Jimmy Howard. Yeah, and, you know, the, the longer you look at, um, and it's not to take anything away from the Martin Brodeurs of the world or the great year Tuka Rask has had, but, but a lot of goaltending is based on system play and personnel. Uh, you know, is it any... A uh, surprise that uh, Jean-Sebastien Jaguer had some great years with Anaheim while Scott Niedermeyer was playing 27 and a half minutes a night. Sure. Absolutely shouldn't be because, you know, there was a guy who understood the system that his coaching staff wanted him to play and executed to the nth degree, as Chara does in front of, of Rask. And, as, you know, <laughs> we, we won't know how good Zdeno Chara was until what happens to Boston uh, or what has happened to Detroit without Lidstrom happens to Boston. You know, when, when all of a sudden that gigantic pillar that's been holding up the defense so reliable, uh, so reliably for the last eon is not there. And, and that's when we'll get a full appreciation for how good Chara is. And a guy that got back-to-back goaltenders as yeah. in a trophies. Yes, exactly. And, you know, a tip of the cap to Bob Essenza, too, because here's a guy who's a goalie consultant for the Boston Bruins who doesn't get a whole lot of credit. But if you look at Tim Thomas before Essenza and after Essenza, you see a guy who became so efficient with that athletic ability. You see in Tuka Rask, a guy who very rarely kicks a rebound into a bad spot as he once did. You see Chad Johnson, even during the season, becoming a much more effective goalie. Essenza doesn't try to change the way goalies play into one form he takes what they have and he makes them better, and he's done that with Tuka Rask. I know one of the things that people have concentrated on when they talk about a deficiency in the Bruins game is is lack of team speed, which, by the way, I think is overstated. I False, think, right. Yeah, I, I think they're wrong. Yeah. Uh, but they talk about, oh, well, how are the Bruins going to keep up with a team like Detroit? I'll tell you what they're going to do. I think they're going to impose their physical will yeah. on a team like Detroit, and they just wear you down. Yeah. And by the time you get two, three, four games into the series – you're thinking, oh, my God, i got to go back out there against that again tonight? Yeah, and one of the guys I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays in the playoffs for the first time is Carl Soderberg, a guy who has shown that he can be physical. He's not like Lucic or Ginley. He doesn't lay people out, but he makes effective contact. He's got explosive skating speed, and he's a gamer. He's a guy who has risen to the occasion. He played well in Sweden when games were really big games and, and when seasons were on the line, and uh He's a guy who's really come into his own, especially in the second half of the season for the Bruins. 
And it, you know, Brooke was joking with me the other day. He says he wants to be the best Swede. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but don't, isn't that where you miss McQuaid and Seidenberg, though? I mean, Seidenberg. Two of the most, well, yeah. and McQuaid. McQuaid's a pretty physical but, but player. Yeah. But we were talking about Seidenberg before Jack got here. So we're talking about a guy who had surgery in January. Yeah. It's April. He can't. It can't. It can't ha- it can't well, he's not going to play in April. I'm sorry. No. He's not going to play in April. Or no. May. It cannot happen. This is impossible. No. no. Right? You don't think he'll play, yes. Jack? Uh, he'll pl- you I'll, think he'll play? Wait a minute, Dr. I'll, Jack. I'll be surprised if he plays at all in the playoffs. Okay, you'll be okay. surprised right. if he plays. Okay, right. all right. Yeah. yeah, I will. Well, depending on how far they get, I won't be surprised. Yeah. Because I don't think he's putting himself through what he's putting himself through right now to get ready for training camp in September. As any athlete would. As any athlete would. You know, you, you have a, a kick at the can, uh, as, uh, as Tuka Rask himself uh, was, was talking yesterday. Uh, you don't ever take it for granted that you're always going to have a chance with a team that has almost all the elements. You know, there's a little bit of uh, lack of depth at forward for the Bruins. You wish there were a little more uh, veteran experience uh, in the playoffs at D. But, you know, you can live with, with what they got on D. Maybe they're a little thin up front. Um, but uh, that said, this is a team that has just about every element to make a deep run and, and win the Cup. And Seidenberg wants to be part of that, and good for him. But we are talking about a patellar tendon splice ACL reconstruction. We're not going yeah. into the peekaboo it's just not, story. It's just, no, it just can't happen. Because it, 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 it's never happened before. I'm just trying to think. Like you said, well, wait Dale, a minute. Didn't Chris Versteeg? Have an ACL blowout last year and was playing in five months. I, you know, I, I but I mean, it was five months. Let's yeah, project ahead possible. though. Seidenberg, if Chara's one anchor, Seidenberg's the other. Yeah. Why do you even risk this? Why are we even talking about it? Yeah, well, the Bruins do have an extremely conservative medical staff, and that's good. That's that is good. good. Yeah, yeah, because sure, they've got a lot of money invested in these guys. Exactly, and and they're also not going to. They're not going to take the player's word for it. You know, they're going to look no, at, at what his numbers are and and see if he really is fit and if he can take contact. And don't forget, you know, he hasn't hit anybody yet. The, or been yeah, hit. and and the no other, one's hit him. The other thing, right? Because the injury happened when Corey Conacher, who's at about 180 on the lighter side of most players in the league, fell directly across Eesh. a straightened leg that had caught in a rut. Uh, behind the Bruins goal line. It was a freakish fall, but you've got to account for the possibility that something similar to that is going to happen on the repaired knee. And you don't put a guy's career out there, even if you are a few games away from winning the Stanley Cup. The only way Seidenberg plays is if the medical staff says he is 100% and okay oh, and I, can I, take I, I agree significant contact. I, I just, you know, I'm very doubtful that that's going to happen. But if, if it does, great, because he's a great guy and he's working his tail off. I'm sure the correct answer is uh, all of the above or many of the above. But for the sake of this discussion, if you had to pick one person who has uh, surprised you or stepped up in the absence of Seidenberg, is it is it Johnny Boychuk? We were just talking about him off the air a minute ago. Is it Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller, Kevin right? Miller. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't know who Kevin Miller was when training camp began. He works at Comcast Sports. Now. He's yeah. a uh, news director, really pretty, nice guy. Pretty nice jump shot, yeah, from St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, from, you know, from Illinois, yep. somewhere in there. I did not know who the guy was when training camp began. And, That's saying something and, if you didn't and, know him. And within about four days, you could hear, by the way, Claude Julien was talking about him, this guy is somebody you ought to watch. because They had their eye on him, making the, the team out of camp. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He was one of the very last cuts. In fact, he might have been the last cut. 
to go down to Providence. And then he had the nine-game thing, right, yep. where they sent him down after nine because if he had stayed for ten, they are going to have to send him through waivers, and somebody definitely oh, was he was not making it through waivers. And, and – uh, did they then sign him to the extension, or did he come up and then he, they signed him? Came to the, up and then they signed him. Yeah, then him, they I signed think. him to the extension. But, but that's how good he is. I mean, the, the guy's gone from, from most people not knowing who he is to, uh, wow, you know, we've got another McQuaid here and, and a guy who might even play himself up higher in the lineup than well, McQuaid. And you know how solid Seidenberg is physically and yeah. how he hits. Yeah. And by the way, Kevin Miller's nowhere near Dennis Seidenberg's size. Right. But he hits like that. He, he hits guys, and you hear it. I mean, Leverage. we're on the fifth floor. You're on the ninth floor. Yeah. You hear it, yeah. and it's, like, totally different than – and I'm not saying everybody in the NHL hits hard, and, right. and the Bruins have a bunch of guys. But he's a guy who just seems to have that pow factor when he hits guys. Yeah, and, and what's going to be interesting is how he manages the other side of his game, which uh, is something that Montreal actually exploited this year, um, which is – to take the space that the Bruins give you on the perimeter, which is Claude Julien's system, protect the house, right. sink the zone into the middle, and and prevent more dangerous chances. But Detroit and Montreal, who could be the two matchups in a row for the Bruins mm-hmm. to get out of the division, uh, will take that two-on-one out of the corner or take that two-on-one off the half boards and try to execute it against a single defenseman, and uh, and that's what Miller's got to prove that he can stop against Detroit because I'm sure they've seen plenty of video, and, and they're going to try it once or twice. I read so much about the two-way. You have to be a two-way player to make it with Claude Julien. We know the players that have come and gone that weren't able or were unwilling to do that. How, does it, how much do you think it sets Boston apart from the rest of the field? Um. There are a couple of guys in Anaheim who have a lot of that element in their game, and, and Ryan Getzloff is certainly a candidate for the Hart Trophy as league MVP because of his willingness to do that kind of dirty work. But it is the defining characteristic of this Boston Bruins team. And when they put the A on David Krejci's sweater at the beginning of the season, um, part of that was recognition that he has been an unstoppable force in two of the last three playoff seasons. The guy has led the NHL playoffs in scoring, scoring two of yeah. the last three seasons is a short list of people who've done that, and most of them have plaques in Toronto. And, you know, I'm not saying that right now David Krejci's a Hall of Fame player, but what I'm saying is what he has done already is remarkable, but they acknowledged how tough he is. And he he might be the most underrated tough player on the Boston Bruins because ever since Mike Richards broke Krejci's wrist and the whole series against Philadelphia pivoted, Krejci's been targeted on the ice. Every single game he's been targeted. That doesn't necessarily mean a guy's taking a run at him, but they're finishing their checks on David Krejci, and he's had to display incredible toughness. And to be able to pair Krejci and Bergeron, two guys who totally get it, the whole 200 feet, is is a one-two center combination that I don't know if any other NHL team can whip out two 200-foot centers that are that quality. Think about this when the, when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup three years ago. The, the common refrain in these parts, not that I was with you at the time, but I heard it a lot, was they can't win a Stanley Cup with a power play as bad as this. <laughs> you can't be this bad on the power play and win a Stanley Cup. And they did. They go into these playoffs with the third best power play in the National Hockey League, with a team defense that, that is just as stout, with a forward line that is just as deep and well-balanced, and the third best power play and eighth best, best penalty kill in the National Hockey League. Yeah, if only the Bruins could just get on the power play more. That's that's a fair fact. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable how how this team, which 
dives probably less than any other team in the NHL. And by the way, Detroit doesn't dive either because Babcock wouldn't stand for that kind of shenanigans. But the Bruins went on the power play only 230 times in 82 games. 230 power plays. Yeah. I mean, dead last in the league once again. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting to note that uh, Detroit was uh, on the penalty kill the fourth most of any team in the league, 295 times. So something's going to get and, here. And so, so you know, will the Bruins get on the power play more often? Because they have shown that they know how to work it now. And it's diverse. They have two different looks. Uh, both units can score. And when they're feeling it, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Because even if they don't score, it usually gives their attack a lot of juice and rhythm, even coming out of an unsuccessful power play. You know, I just had an idea. You know, we're going to talk, talk plenty of hockey with you today and throughout the postseason. But you are music. Oh, no. Here I mean, we go. I, I bet you could really break down some music, too. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> musicology. You should be our musicology consultant going Uh-oh. forward. Yeah. He wants to get his music. He wants oh, no, his, no, his I, no, I, I have no idea where Jack stands on this. I don't know where Jack uh, stands on ACDC, where he stands on Rage Against the Machine. I don't even know what your favorite By kind the of way, music. the one guy from 603, and I could give yeah. the rest of the number, but I won't, who has probably tried to single-handedly Shanghai the latest musicology. We stopped counting after the first one, just to save yep. yourself a bunch but of time. But I like the effort, though. I like time. the effort. He's the got blisters on his fingers. And the energy. That's a guy who really cares about music. I don't even know what your favorite kind of music is. What is it? Uh, it's uh, Pat Metheny, actually. Pat Metheny. Right. Jazz fusion, yeah. Guitarist. Yeah, yes. yeah. Used, he's to, used to date Robin Young. Just an absolutely oh, right? oh, yeah. epic genius composer, guitarist. Amazing. Amazing, just amazing at the Berkeley. talent. Yeah. Couple months ago. Yeah, I think he was teaching. Honest to goodness, I think he was teaching there when he was 16 years old. Uh, just one of these super genius guys. So, you know what Jack's music is coming out of the break, right, guys? <laughs> we got to find some. That's all there is to it. 617-779-793. Yeah, yeah? Local guy. He's oh, around yeah. here all the oh, time. I didn't know that. He's from here? Oh, well, I, no, he just lived here just, for like yeah, 30, Yeah, saw him at the Orpheum a yeah. couple of years ago. He's always around here. All-time great show. 617-779-7937. If you want to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Boston Bruins, Detroit Red Wings, Jack Edwards is here. Uh, Jackie McMullen is here as well. This hour is sponsored by ARS Restoration Specialists. If you're a commercial project manager or have great sales relationship skills, Rich Pilch is adding to the ARS team just a phenomenal company. Visit ARSServe.com for ARS career opportunities. Don't do it yet. Just one more thing. One more thing. We almost forgot. I didn't forget. Five minutes away. You're five minutes away from tickets. Red Sox, Yankees tickets. We're excited and looking forward to it, and we uh, we need to take all this time of preparation and rest uh, and try to make it an advantage. Boston Bruins rumbling left wing Milan Lucic talking about the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Before we get to your calls about the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's free ticket Thursday. Be the ninth caller right now at 617-931-0937. Win two tickets to see the Sox game April 24th against the Yankees and free parking courtesy of the Prudential Center Garage. Plus, if you're a WEI Clubhouse Insider, you'll win a tour of the Red Sox Radio Network broadcast booth Call 617-931-0937 right now. Brought to you by Geico, Town Fair Tire, and your home for Boston baseball. Sports Radio 93.7 WEEI. Uh, Callers are all lined up. They want to talk Stanley Cup playoffs with Jack and Jackie and Michael and 
maybe even me if they're stuck with that. Chris in Plainville, you're up first this hour on Sports Radio's Dale and Holly. Hey, guys. Great show. Thank you. Hey, uh, Jackie and Jack, uh, big fans of both your works. Uh, I think you guys do a phenomenal job. That's Thank a, you, that Thank UNH you. heritage. That's what go. it is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Bruins uh, are going to either win or lose this playoff based on two things. Um, team health overall, um, hopefully they keep it, and Tuca's play. And the reason why I say Tuca's play is because in the past, um, he seemed to be a barometer of the team as they played. As the team played well, he played well with it. As the team struggled, he struggled with it. There was often collapses. He hasn't struggled um, much. No, and I was getting to that. Um, over last year's playoffs and this year, he's made big strides in improving that. Um, as long as he continues down the road of being able to pick the team up when the team needs them, instead of uh, being the barometer of the team's play, I think the Bruins have absolutely every chance in the world of winning the Stanley Cup, and I think they will. The only two things that will stop it will be, in my opinion, um, Tuka being able to pick up the team when he needs them to pick up the team and the health of the team. As long as we have both of those things, um, I can't see anyone stopping them. Well, fair points. Uh, and we'll add to that that uh, when Tuka Rask is perceived as not playing well, it's usually because people have made some bad decisions and given up the puck in a bad part of the ice or allowed an odd man rush. Uh, you know, Rask has has uh, had a season in which he has not had a lot of cold spells, um, but uh, he did have one from the 26th of October through the 5th of November. He went four straight games without reaching the level that he had reached in the first eight games. He, six out of his first eight, he allowed one or none, and he, he set the bar pretty high for the rest of the year. Um, and then he kind of went up and down a little bit um, until Seidenberg got hurt, and then the wheels fell off the wagon for the whole team, and uh, and Rask's save percentage uh, dived for down two whole games. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, his you know he he went through that spell where he actually got pulled out of four uh, four games uh, in the span of uh, what is it? I don't know, probably about uh, sixteen or seventeen there. And uh, you know you, you had to wonder is is the whole thing falling apart? But that's when Claude Julien and his staff coached up these young defensemen and said, okay, you know what? This is how we're going to play without Seidenberg. And the power play without Seid- – I mean the penalty kill, pardon me uh, – without Seidenberg uh, was somewhere in the low 80s. And, and if you look at the ranking of the team in the league over a whole season at whatever they were, about 82%, it would be about 17th. So not a really great penalty kill since Seidenberg went down. Um, it's going to be really important that the Bruins keep it five-on-five five against the Red Wings because the Red Wings are not only a super talented team that everybody talks about, but the Red Wings do that thing that Brick talks about all the time during power plays. They battle for the puck so hard when they are on the power play. You know, that tends to get overlooked because of their shiny skills, but they can get dirty along the boards, you know, not dirty like dirty play, but they'll get their noses all filthy to win that puck back. I have two quick questions for you guys. One, with Tuca, do you think he's going to win the Vesna? Yes. He should. Oh, yeah. He He'll certainly win. should. You say, oh, yeah, just like no doubt he's got it? For, well, look, he should have been a finalist last year, and they gave the third spot to Henrik Lundqvist, and they shouldn't have. Yeah. He will positively be a finalist this year, in my opinion. It comes down to him or Semyon Varlamov. I would vote for Tuca. And, and so we talked about this last week, I think, with DJ Bean. Where Dale, you felt like 
one thing that could be used against Tuca is the excellent performance, as you pointed out earlier, of, of Chad Johnson. They look at Chad's numbers and say, well, well why, why would I vote for Tuca for the Vesna? Anybody could play goal this on that. This guy is his yeah, backup. Well, had you know, uh, impeccable. Well, not he, impeccable, but well, a sterling. Yeah. I mean, really impressive well, record. Well, as long as I'm here and I got this file open. Uh, let go me, ahead. Let See, me... as long as I've known Jack, which is yeah. a long time, <laughs> the thing that has never ceased to amaze me is his color coding system. It used yeah. to be on paper with <laughs> pencils, right? Color yep. pencils oh, for yeah. years. But now he's yeah. gone electronic. Yeah. Still the color coded system. Yeah, so here's. This man is prepared. Here are the opponents that Chad Johnson has faced this year Buffalo, the Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, Columbus, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, Buffalo, Ottawa. We're at the 28th of December, and he hasn't faced a team that made the playoffs yet. L.A., Dallas both made it. L.A. again. Islanders, Montreal made it. Edmonton, Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, Florida, Carolina, New Jersey, Colorado, Washington didn't make it. Toronto, Winnipeg, New Jersey. Okay? Take a look. That was a chosen schedule, and it's great that Chad Johnson played extremely well. Chad Johnson was not facing the iron. And if he did not play very well, and at one point in the season he was not playing that well, they were not averse to looking at other sources of goaltending. So, you know, Chad Johnson had a phenomenal finish to the season, and I'm not taking anything away from his in-season improvement, but to hold Johnson's statistical season against Rask is uh, apples and oranges. And, and And not doing the homework, which you've done. That was one of my things. But my other thing. As I see the calls lined up, 617-779-7937. Oh, you're so good. I see the calls lined up here. Because I screwed it up once, so you You know what it is. I'd screw it up again. There is so much anticipation, excitement for this playoff series. First round, tomorrow, Bruins, Red Red Wings. It's 537. We have a lot of calls on the board, Dale. You know what that means? The Uh final segment of the show. Uh Well, we're not there yet. We could. If these calls keep coming, we could. Young Ben, Andy, we could do the world-famous lightning round. You know, I, I just got a phone call the other day. 30 for 30 guy. Wanted to do a 30 for 30. You did? Yeah. On the world-famous lightning round. You, you see us in uh, in cons? Cons Film Festival? As long as we're lying, yeah. Rooney Mara called me <laughs> for a date. And, and let's be honest. I've only been back for a month. What am I going to say, right? I mean, uh, they, I could be pushed right back out the door oh, if I no. if I'm not careful here. So... How am it's I going to fight this It's thing? a possibility. I'm just saying. Just saying. Matt's on the cell phone. You're next on Sports Radio's Dale and Holly. Yeah, how's it going, guys? How are you? Hey, I'm great. Um, I, uh, I'm a hopeful Bruins fan, but I'm also a realistic one as far as the way they've uh, come out of the gate. The last three years in a row, they've struggled really mightily, and so I'm looking for, looking for a little solace, looking for a little uh, comfort from one of you guys about why they're going to be different this season. It's because they're so thoroughly unimpressed with themselves. They really... Uh, are not thinking they're anything special. They know that they've got to bring full energy to every single shift from the drop of the puck starting tomorrow night at 730. Uh, You look at the maturity of this team and how guys like Bergeron and Chara and Krejci all truly get it, and they keep that team on on point. And, uh, And one, I would be very surprised if the Bruins have anything resembling a flat game in the opening round this year. See, you bring up such a great point that I think sometimes people miss about the way this team is constructed. And I'll just use this as the most obvious example. Alexander Ovechkin leads the National Hockey League with 50 goals. Dazzling goal scorer. He's a minus 35. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bruins wouldn't want him on the team. Right. They don't want a player like that. Well, as great as he is offensively, and he is. Phil Kessel. And, and again, or, or Tyler Sagan, what they want are guys who are just as committed to the play in their own end as they are to the offensive end, and they've got a team full of those. Yeah. And, they're, and they're deep through four lines. They are not worried about sending out their fourth line. Their third line, and Chris Kelly probably won't play tomorrow night. Doesn't look uh, like Justin Florick is apparently going to get the slot on that left wing. And he's been pretty good. No, and he's been pretty good. But that but third Chris line. Chris Kelly, man, he's one of the guys you want in a game well, think one about to this, set Jackie, the tone. That yep. third line, yep. with, with the way Soderberg and Erickson are playing, are going up against the other team's Detroit's third defense pair. Right. And this is a, 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 an inexperienced, shallow defense core for the Red Wings to begin with. Soderberg and Erickson could eat that defense pair alive. Yeah. Yeah, and don't underrate the the secondary motivation for Soderberg, who was snubbed by the Swedish National Hockey Federation at the Olympics as retribution for coming to Boston last spring and not playing in the Worlds for in Sweden. S- in Sweden. Yes, for, for Sweden right. in Sweden. Right, and, and they held it against him. They snubbed him from the Olympic team. Well, you know, <laughs> he who laughs last, right? See, it's it's funny just listening to Dale on this. On Monday, I was convinced it was a seven-game series, and, and you weren't sure they were going to win in seven. Now, twenty minutes of six, I'm convinced Bruins in five, four. <laughs> so I, you, I mean, let's I'm, not I'm, get cocky. I, I'm, like, I'm not getting cocky. I'm just like I'm listening. Dale has uh, effectively, uh, well, tr- almost. Convinced I have disarmed me. you, Michael. Well, a, a little bit. So I, I'm curious about. The defense, and it is young, but it's been fun to watch. I mean, Tory Krug was a revelation last year, and he had he had a little bit of a little bit of a dip there earlier. Now has really just come on. But Dougie Hamilton's the one I want to know the most about, and I know he's had a great year too. Uh, and I hear, you know, I keep hearing, well, maybe we pair him with Chara. I mean, a lot of pressure on a on a guy that from the beginning we've been waiting to be the next great thing, and appears to be ready to be that. But just this is a big stage. Yeah. It is a big stage. Uh, just seven playoff games last year right. for, for Dougie Hamilton. Uh, what he has done better in the last three or four weeks uh, is uh, shown that he's willing to eat the puck in the defensive zone. If there isn't help, just keep it on the boards. Don't lose it. Just hang in there. I wish he'd teach it to Bartkowski right. more often. Right. Wait for help. Yeah. Well, you know, Bartkowski's a different player and relies on his skating right. and sometimes a little bit too much. Comes off the boards with the puck and he gets caught. Right, or he, he tries to make a pass that it's a little too hopeful and and can turn it over in bad areas. But but Dougie Hamilton's become acutely aware of uh, of what's most important, and that is not to help the Red Wings or any opponent have a good offensive opportunity because he made a mental mistake. It's so much about thinking the game every moment of every shift. Do you know what the smartest thing Dougie Hamilton did this year, Jackie? What's that? Got paired with Zdeno Chara. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> it's how that makes career. you look like you're really good. Sure. I mean, you just get paired with Zdeno Chara, and doggone it, you just look like you're a little better in your own end. Yeah, can we can we finally just <laughs> stop anytime there's a draft prospect who plays D who's 6'6 six, six or taller? Can we just stop saying they project him as another Zdeno Chara? How about 6'8 or taller? Because the guy, no, it's never going to happen no, again. It's like the next this Michael is a, Jordan. a unique player this is a unique player and and you know it was funny because he got scratched in Winnipeg as a you know an intentional rest right. day and they pretty much had to chain him to the wall <laughs> but, well he probably worked out four different yeah, times while the game exactly. was going on but but I I had a, a totally by chance conversation with him 
And, and one of the things that excited him most about this season was they gave him a task he had never had in his hockey life, which was to be that front man on the power play. And he didn't find out about it until training camp. He said, you know, it's not like they told me in my exit interview last spring. He said, you know, I show up in September and go like, hey, get in front of the net. Here we go. And he's like, wait a second. I got to learn all these things about going to the end boards, winning the puck and developing two-on-ones and making the short pass in front and tipping the puck instead of shooting the puck. But but that And he did. Yes. And it fed the thing that he loves to do most, which is prove that he can work harder than anybody. And that sets the tone for the whole team. Jack Edwards is in the house. Jackie McMullen is in the house. It's Dale and Holly tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting live from West End Johnny's down there by the garden just before game one. DJ Bean will be our third man in with Dale and Holly, Sports Radio WEEI. Buffalo, the Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, Columbus, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, Buffalo, Ottawa, L.A., Dallas, L.A. again, Islanders, Montreal, Edmonton, Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, Florida, Carolina, New Jersey, Colorado, Washington, Toronto, Winnipeg, New Jersey, okay? I know where they were going with this. I've been everywhere, man. Exactly. <laughs> Jackie knew where it was going, nice. too. Nice. Well done. That was the texter from the 339 that suggested that. Well done. Texter, another texter says, please, please, please ask Jack what he thought of Buffalo goon John Scott getting dropped by Islanders Justin Johnson the other night. <laughs> It was a pretty good pop right to the chin. Yeah, and and maybe maybe that will be the swan song for John Scott. It certainly should be. A guy who can't play, and uh, he seems to be a, a reasonably upright individual off the ice. Um, Billy knows him better than I do, says yeah. he is actually a, a very respectable, yeah. good guy. And it's great that he got some huge paychecks, but cannot play. And the game is so speed-oriented now, and, and you've got to have players who can play. He gets exposed every time he's on the ice. And if he's out there to punch somebody, you know, silly, as he did with, with Sean Thornton, uh, then, okay, then he served his purpose. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the Gene Wilder line, right? You know, <laughs> in Blazing Saddles, the kid shot me right in the bleep, you know. <laughs> there's, there's always somebody who's trying to be the fastest gun in the West. As and, my buddy Tom McVie once said, <laughs> not about John Scott, but about a player like John Scott, they pull a pull a dirty trick when they drop the puck. <laughs> Just not not necessarily his strengths there. Uh, Brian's up in Saco. Hey Brian, how you doing? Hey, good. How you guys doing? Doing great. What's up? So I'm calling. I live in uh, New England, and I'm a, a big Red Wings fan. Um, the reason why I wanted to call is I wanted to kind of get my input on the uh, the series. I think it's going to come down to the third period. Um, over the past couple of years, I've, I've noticed that the Red Wings. If they fail, it's always a third period. You're always so. Jack arm for bear with you for you on this one. Oh yeah, I know exactly where Jack's going on this one. This is not going to be good news for you, Brian. Yeah, let's go to third period goal differential, which is one of my favorite stats, especially with the Claude Julian Bruins, who, as we were talking earlier about lifting the weight, and at a certain point you hit failure. Boston is ranked number one in the league in third period goal differential at plus forty eight. The next team on the list is St. Louis at plus twenty five. So, in other words, there's as big a space between one and two as there is between two and, let me look it up, uh, 13, okay? Wow. So, and, oh, by the way, Detroit's third period goal differential is ranked 26th in the league at minus 18. So, 
if it comes how down. How you feeling, Brian? So, well, <laughs> Brian, how do they win? How does uh, how does Detroit win this series? It's it's going to come down to Jimmy Howard. I honestly yep. think if uh, if you bring to their game, you know, like you said, it's a living listen all day, and the teams everyone's going with either four game sweep or five games. But you know, last year they they pulled it against uh, Anaheim, and they gave Chicago a run for the money. So. Brian, if it makes you feel better, I'm I might be the lone voice saying I see it going six or seven, and I just say that because I, I think Mike Babcock is at the very top of the game, and Claude Julian occupies that I same just, I space. Think I think they're equal in this that is, regard. This is one, you know, it's like Quenville and Julian in the Stanley Cup final. These are two brilliant coaches whose teams play the right way. Hockey is going to be the ultimate winner here, and and I, my guess is that Babcock is going to put enough players in enough positions to excel enough times that the Bruins are going to have a hard time getting through this without Detroit winning at least two games. The caller, Brian said that the key is Jimmy Howard. And by the way, I, I like and respect Jimmy Howard's game a lot. University of Maine yeah, kid covered, and all that stuff. Covered that national championship yes. team, I do. Yeah. He's had a, a very off year this year. Yeah. And I don't think it's his fault. I think it is the youth and inexperience of the defense corps in right. front of him. Right. People talk about the Bruins defense corps in that regard. But all these young defensemen on the Bruins got Stanley Cup playoff experience a year ago. Yeah. Detroit yeah. is very inexperienced, very, very green on the blue line. And you know, what do you what do you call those little four frame animations on the internet? I, I don't know what they're called, but I GIFs. GIFs, yeah. Okay. All right. Well GIFs? there's there's one of those that's out there of Nicholas Jalmerson, who's a pretty tough nut, mm-hmm. you know, for Chicago, a real good top four defenseman and and plays a pretty rough and tough game. It's from the Stanley Cup final. I believe it's game two. Lucic dumps the puck into the corner, and Lucic is bearing down on Jalmerson, who has a reputation of being a pretty reasonably tough guy. Jalmerson just tosses the puck out like he's getting sick on his 16th beer in an hour, and he sprints out of the frame. Just like Mama told me not to play on the tracks, and here comes train number 17. That's what the Detroit defensemen are going to experience, and they're going to get it from the other side, from Aginla as well. And, you know, we saw a couple of shifts late in the year. We started to track zone time this year. The Bruins had the puck in the attacking zone for a minute and 42 in one stretch in one of their games in the last three weeks of the season, and Aginla was on the ice for the entire shift. That's like three shifts in a row. He threw out about four hits, and he looked like he could have stayed out there a little bit longer. When the Bruins get that going, it's a torture chamber for opposing defensemen, and they may just not have an answer for that. Is there anybody comparable to Datsuk? I mean, have we seen Bergeron? Bergeron is that what it is? Yeah, but but different because Datsuk is so crafty. He's uh, and it's not to say that, that Bergeron isn't crafty because Bergeron's got immense offensive talent. It's great that he's shown it this year, but Datsuk is one of those guys that he does stuff when he's stick handling that he he sort of invents seems like uh, wormholes in the universe. Like It's like, <laughs> was that there a second ago? All of a sudden, the puck's on somebody's stick, and he's eight feet from the open side of the goal. It's, he's, he's a magical player offensively who really is conscientious defensively. Amazing that he and Ovechkin could come from the same hockey culture. Right? Well, you say right. wormholes in the universe. That's got to be a, a Pat Metheny song. That has to be. That sounds like a Pat Metheny yeah, song. It sounds like a Red Hot Chili hey, Peppers can, can song. We, can, we get, can we get, Jack, can you educate the, the guys behind the glass? They have no idea who Pat Metheny is. They don't, they don't get it. Well, can you educate them? The thing what, about should Pat be, what should they be looking into? Well, the thing about Pat Metheny is you've got to listen to his music like at least three times because the first time you're going to go like, oh, it's just a bunch of noise. And Do you have to be time, high at a, or anything no, like you that? Don't. You have to no, be you, high? no, you okay. don't. No, you don't. It's high on life? It doesn't, it doesn't hurt, probably. Okay. But, <laughs> it doesn't. But, 
Glass of scotch, maybe. Jackie, it was wonderful having you in here. Please Thank come you. back and visit with us again. I will. Jack, fun. it's always fun having you in here. Glass and I'm counting on week. you being here next week. So, uh, and hopefully we'll get I'll Jackie see you tomorrow. In here I'll see you over so. tomorrow night. I can't wait. Come, yeah. to, come on down to the Nesson set and say hi. Oh, maybe you're I always will. welcome there. On my date, maybe. Yeah, yeah. you're always you welcome there. You should. It's a, it's a That's great, mixing work with pleasure. I don't know. I'll have to check. It's a great view he's got Believe over there. me, I don't call what I do work over there. Are you <laughs> okay. kidding me? Who has more fun than us? Oh, exactly. We we'll will be at, be at West, West End, End Johnny's? Johnny's tomorrow. Oh, man, I might go by there. We will See, be there tomorrow That's a Chardonnay if I go by there. DJ Bean will be there as, uh, as our, our co-host, and, uh, and we'll do a lot of hockey talk tomorrow here on Sports Radio WEEI.